Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today, continuing our video game month, it's DOA Dead or Alive. DOA Dead or Alive came out in 2006 and was directed by Corey Ewan, and this was the last film he's been allowed to direct Lloyd. <laughs> it had a $21 million budget, and I don't believe it's made its money back. DOA is based on a fighting game, so every scene is an excuse to have people face off. You know, it's kind of the little brother of Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and Tekken. So if you've seen the Jean-Claude Van Damme Street Fighter, you're kind of in the similar territory, you know, the same ballpark you need to be in for this. You need to check your brain at the door. The film is designed to be cheesy. Each fighter is invited in a different way uh, to this tournament. It's been going for 21 years. So the invites are these flying little discs with blades that find their way to you in this magical way. So uh, one character is you know, coming down on a parachute and it kind of flies out and finds her. Another one's riding a motorbike through the city, flies out and finds her. The idea is it's a $10 million prize and you will have your chance to prove you are the best fighter in the world. Uh, it doesn't explain, they, they have their own sort of uh, fields like of combat. And so it doesn't explain why there are multiple wrestlers and assassins and thieves within the tournament, but you know, a lot of them are related to each other. So it kind of has to be that way for uh, character development, which is a very loose term in this film. See, it's a flimsy story, Lloyd. It's basically setting up cool action and hot babes. And that's the aim of the game. Uh, the, the film's made for teenage boys, and basically they want you to have that kind of reference for DOA, the video game. Uh, in fact, the spin-off game, uh, Dead or Alive Extreme Volleyball, which is described on Wikipedia as being the first game in the series to have a mature rating because of the very revealing swimsuits and suggestive poses the women present themselves in, which can be viewed and zoomed on from any angle as controlled by the player. They managed to get in a really gratuitous, pointless volleyball scene, like the most pointless since Point Gun, uh, sorry, since uh, Top Gun, with like a CGI ball, and uh, you know, what, this is just why would they CGI the ball in volleyball? Yeah, well, it's just so more creative shots, I suppose, can occur. The ridiculous wire work, you know, is sort of common of uh, Chinese directors um, with this kind of action movie. And uh, there's really pointless stakes at times. You know, we've got to get there before sundown, which, you know, they're going to. The sets are made of foam, Lloyd. So when people fight, they crash through everything. They break through walls. It's so that everybody looks tough and everything they do seems, you know bigger, more powerful, a finishing move or whatever. Uh, Devin Aoki plays Kasumi, whose storyline is basically lifted from Lucy Liu in Shanghai Noon. <laughs> Jamie Pressey from My Name is Earl uh, is a female wrestler named Tina who doesn't want to, you know, be known for this fake wrestling. She's doing it for real, you know. Um, Holly Valance is Christy, and she starts the film in a towel before fighting in this ridiculous fight scene to get into her underwear, basically. So uh, this... That's all the stuff that is shown in the promo over and over again. It's a real Holly Valance fan film. These three ladies are our Charlie's Angels-esque kind of trio of characters. 
And uh, to round out the cast, we've got Kevin Nash, who people might know from Magic Mike or from WCW Wrestling, and he's playing Hulk Hogan, basically. Uh, the movie's PG, so it's not really violent at all. Everything is very staged, hammed up. It's called Dead or Alive, but the dead part is not really relevant at all. The tournament fights, in fact, don't always end in knockouts, which you would expect them to. There's a lot of TKO in, you know, video games. But uh, like Kevin Nash and Jamie Presley's characters, they fight until one of them falls in the water on a log. So the stakes are often lowered like that. In terms of like a show and don't tell rule of storytelling, this film tells us everything up front with heavy handed exposition, speeches and visuals. Eric Roberts plays the tournament organizer and resident bad guy, and he can do big monologues, but he's not much of a fighter. I did want to do special mention to uh, Australia's Strongest Man, a 12-time winner of the title, Derek Boyer, who uh, made his acting debut in this film and went on to be Thunder in the Australian version of Gladiator and was very memorable in Celebrity Splash. He has a 14-second fight scene. This is the worst fight scene of all, and uh, the entirety of the 14 seconds, it flies by, and he's very underused in this film. And after the fighters lose... They have to leave the island, so uh, which they're fighting on. The thing about Derek Boyer's character is he comes back for no reason whatsoever, even though after he's lost his 14-second fight, just because they needed him in a scene or for some muscle. Things don't quite add up, you know. Uh, it's just a fun movie. Look, it's not the worst film we've ever reviewed on this YouTube page, but it's pretty forgettable. DOA uh, as a video game was just kind of fast combat, and they have proceeded to make many games in the interim including the latest which was dead or alive five last round we'll see if that's the case february 2015 that one came out but uh this one's just for true doa fans and holly valance fans lloyd i, I never played dead or alive the video game i was always a tekken street fighter or mortal Kombat fan myself i was always a street fighter fan myself uh, did eric roberts fight at all in this movie yeah, he's the bad guy, so they all have to team up to fight him by the end. Yeah, because in Best of the Best 1, he, that was, a, I think, a really great martial arts movie, and he was a Taekwondo fighter in that, so I think he's the most experienced fighter in the movie. <laughs> you might be right. I mean, uh, this, In terms this... of movie fighting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably. I can't recall another situation where any of them have really fought. Uh, and Holly Devin Valance, was, in... was she pretty good in the movie? or? Sorry, who? Ho Holly Valance. I mean, she's just there for eye candy, yeah. really. They Every opportunity they can, they put people in their underpants. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's stuff like um, when they're on their way to the tournament, uh, the girl in the exposition video telling you about the tournament is in a bikini, uh, which is fine. But she's also in the tournament as one of the people fighting. What, what, which doesn't quite make sense. What's the general reception of this movie? Like, what, what's its rating on IMDb? Do people love it or hate it? Like, Five out of ten. Okay. Um, it splits people. People think uh, it's great for checking out the ladies. Uh, there's a lot of, like, rank your favorite female on there. And, uh, you know, as in terms of a story, it's like kind of B-grade forgettable action movie, you know? Yeah. Um, they really glamorize shots of boobs, shots of butts, you know, uh, and they tend to just... It's just for the eye candy, man. Yeah, I can't compare it to the video game because I never played Dead or Alive, so I can't comment if they respected the video game or not. It, it sounds like there wasn't much to Dead or, Dead or Alive anyway. 
No, uh, it's the, just that tournament premise of Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter and just getting two characters to fight each other. And if you're familiar with the characters, maybe you'll enjoy it. Thanks heaps for that, Dave. I can't say Dead or Alive is a movie I'll be checking out in the near future. I think we're going to darken it a little bit here. We're going to add some storm, some eerie music, because the, I hear the next movie you got is Silent Hill. Uh, I've always wanted to check this movie out. I've always been interested. I haven't heard good things, Dave, but um, I was a big fan of the video games, although I didn't complete it. So um, what can you tell us about Silent Hill? The film Silent Hill uh, was released in 2006, and the game is most similar to that of the Resident Evil series. I played the Resident Evil series, uh, basically burnt myself out on it, trying to win all of them, and then uh, was probably too burnt out to appreciate or enjoy Silent Hill. Uh, I did attempt to play it, I rented it, I never purchased it, so I never completed the game. The film's written by Roger Avery of Pulp Fiction and Rules of Attraction fame. It's directed by Christopher Gans, who directed Brotherhood of the Wolf. Now, Christopher Gans is a big fan of the game series, and that comes across in this adaptation. Uh, the gender of the main character has been changed, and Rada Mitchell plays Rose, who is the lead. Uh, there's, there's a few other differences. There's a cult in the film that apparently has different motivations. I couldn't tell you if that's different, but allegedly it is. And uh, the storylines are different as well. But the creatures, the atmosphere, these things have stayed very true to the game series. Now, um, I want to talk for a moment about her husband, Sean Bean, who uh, people probably know from Game of Thrones. Sean Bean and Lord of the Rings. He could be completely removed from this movie. He uh, plays a character who is following, trying to find Rose and their adopted daughter. And his entire arc in the film, it, it could be lifted out of the movie. I'm pretty sure it wasn't there, and then it was added later. <laughs> Ryder Mitchell and Sean Bean are the parents to an adopted daughter. She sleepwalks and uh, sleepwalks all the way up to the cliff of the nearby, you know, a nearby cliff, basically. And um, she keeps saying Silent Hill while she sleepwalks. You know, she mentions it a lot. And if your adopted daughter says Silent Hill, you're going to take her to Silent Hill. That's where she's been adopted from, West Virginia. And uh, Rose decides to take her back there against the advice of Sean Bean. Uh, so when a policewoman pulls them over, uh, Rose drives away at top speed, which is the big mistake here in the film because she drives through, smashes through gates. Silent Hill is a town that is no longer accessible because um, it was evacuated in 1974. Uh, there was a coal fire that underneath the town that still burns to this day, you know, so uh, it's just sealed off. Presumably it's abandoned, but we find out that it isn't. The policewoman pursuing her was kind of one of those stretches you have to go with in this film where you don't really understand why she pulled them over she interacted with them at a petrol station moments before uh so it's not really clear why now she's pulling them over just down the road from the petrol station and then it's not really clear why she speeds away short of them getting in an accident she sees an apparition gets into an accident and then she's in silent hill so it's really just a means of getting you into the town the look of the film it rains ash, which is just as the video game had, uh, and pretty much the same plot where the adopted daughter goes missing in the game and you find out her true origin. The sign as well, the sign saying welcome to Silent Hill, which is the poster of the film as well as apparently just like the game. 
You explore the town within the game and in the film. Ryder Mitchell's character moves around with a lighter or a torch. Uh, just with that kind of minimal lighting, you can only see several feet in front of you. And uh, that way danger can kind of pop out at you or like creatures can jump out at you. And, you know, it's supposedly going to be more creepy. I watched it with headphones on, so there were some jumpy moments, but uh, I imagine this would have been a good big screen experience too. There are lots of mutations in this town. Uh, it's hard to explain them all, but there are things that are from nightmares. There are some things that seem like zombies, others that seem like, you know, flesh peel away monsters. The most um, noticeable villain is somebody called Pyramid Head. Now this is a character from the Silent Hill video game series. I understand he was in the second one. I never saw him. And so it's very strange when a uh, muscular gentleman wearing a robe and a large triangular pyramid head uh, appears and uh, you know takes you out of the film a little bit you don't know who the heck this is but um, it's this unstoppable force that can rip clothing and skin from people you know with effortlessly there's a lot of screaming there's a lot of chasing Ryder Mitchell does well as the scared heroine in this film hallucinating this ghostly girl who looks just like her daughter there were 165 sets built for the for the film or used in the film so the set design is very impressive there's epic vacant sets in the town aged locations abandoned stuff it's it's an impossibly large you know um world they've created which is great the real highlight of the film all of the music is from the video games with the exception of one song so you know that translates uh, really well in the experience as well the thing is, there's a ton of people living in this town, which is Im impossible to believe. Uh, they all live in this cult of religious people hiding from the darkness and hiding from this pyramid-headed uh, evil. The explanation is that these victims and everybody there are kind of just these doomed, hellish people. They're hallucinating them, or whether or not it's happening, there's a lot of things I won't spoil about the ending. There is one scene that's straight out of a video game, and uh, it feels as if when you watch this movie, you're watching cutscenes and then action scenes in a video game. You're just kind of following this character around. Um, there's a scene where uh, the main character, Rose, is told to look at this map and memorize it, and it might just save your life. And so she stands there and she mouths left, right, right, left, right, you know, and as if remembering, you know, a cheat code or uh, something there, coordinates in a video game. Uh, so it's a very faithful, stylish translation of the game. The ending does include a very long exposition scene with the backstory of ghosts and what's happened in the town, and uh, that has this look of an old scratched kind of 8mm film or something, and it's quite a convoluted voiceover with a lot of uh, explanation. But, I mean, a lot of the creepy stuff happens in this film. It seems like uh, horror fans would dig it. It's got a decent rating, but a two-hour runtime hurts it. It's a bit heavy, and as I said, all of Sean Bean's scenes could be cut. I personally grew up with Resident Evil. It was one of my favourite video games of all time, and then I played Silent Hill. It took me a bit to get into it, but it was so atmospheric and terrifying. I never, I think I played a bit of Silent Hill 1 and a lot of Silent Hill 2. I never completed either of them. I recently bought them, and I got the PS2 one right here, and the PS1. Sorry, Dave, I got really excited when you said Silent Hill, the movie. Um, I haven't completed either of 
these. I just haven't found the time um, since I bought these to, to play them, but I would really like to complete them and end that sort of nightmare um, that I once began when I was a teenager. Um, so that's why I haven't seen the movie, but I'm just curious how is the atmosphere because the key thing of the video games it, it what actually terrifies you is the atmosphere this endless fog and you're just lost in oblivion you're hearing all these sounds you're like oh my gosh like you're in this nightmare does that does the film capture that the fog is definitely there and it follows through all daytime scenes within the movie uh in terms of hearing those sounds and seeing apparitions there's less of that. Um, more imagine Rada Mitchell walking around with a torch and in and out of rooms. And the fear really comes from the variety of different mutations and creatures that sort of come out of the woodwork. There's bugs, there's things with no arms, there's things that only move and react. I think they're referred to as the dancers or something, but they only move and react when there's a light on. So her torchlight is what you know, draws them in and she turns it off and then she has to creepily walk through them. Is this more of a slasher horror movie? And like, it sounds like it's heavily on action. I would like to personally see an adaptation where it's just more about atmosphere and very slow, slowly paced. You're right about the two hour runtime. That sounds really like a big pill to swallow at two hours. I think 90 minutes in and out would be really better. <laughs> yes, I would have probably improved it. Um, Atmosphere is the first half of the film, and I would say the third act is uh, slasher. Okay. Something for everybody, I'm sure. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Thanks each for that, Dave. Um, that's it for this episode of Pod Me If You Can. Uh, we're focusing, obviously, on video game movie adaptations, and um, that was uh, two movies that Dave really wanted to review. Um, so, yeah, uh, stay tuned for Pod Me If You Can for heaps more, and I hope you've been enjoying Video Game Movie Month. Thanks again, guys. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews.